possibly the most like, epic story that I've ever heard. I of. feel like, like we need to stop and just let everyone know that this is actually all a commercial for Dos Equis. <laughs> yeah, like sitting the down most interesting with the most man interesting in the world, man right in the here. world. Yeah. We made a habit on that trip of grabbing glacial ice out of the water in the boats when we would go ashore. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I brought that glacial ice back and carved it up. I was actually probably holding a scotch with like a thousand year glacial ice in that moment. So... Wow. If you want an interesting, it's not beer, it's scotch on glacial ice. No way. <laughs> You're listening to Inside Skookum, the podcast that takes you behind the scenes of a growing tech company. My name is Josh Lucas, and today you're in for a treat because Brad Schmidt and I are sitting down with fellow Skookumite and senior product strategist Craig Ormiston. We dubbed Craig the most interesting man in the office, and full disclosure, he does not like to be called that, but ultimately we're editing this thing, so we decided that it's going to stay in. So Craig, you're welcome for that. In this episode, we cover everything from Craig's past life in the movie business, his mission to visit every continent in the world, his elaborate cocktail parties, and his obsession with spreadsheets. There's a lot to pack in here, and we think you're going to like it. So with that, let's get to know Craig. Today, Brad. Yeah, we're with Craig Ormiston. Did I get it right? Bingo. Boom. Nailed it feel like we should really know the names before we start the interview. There's a lot of last names in this company. I have no clue how to pronounce. That one was a good guess. Perfect so. guess. We are actually out in the Denver office that we have here at Skookum, and uh, the office is pretty much just made out of glass. Glass and, and concrete floors, Yeah, and which is great for sound. Yeah, <laughs> it's the ideal situation. So. <laughs> it's an echo to my ears. Yeah. But we are sitting down with Craig. Craig, before we get into your backstory, for the folks who don't know you, yep, what do you do here? I am a strategist, a senior strategist here and a, and a lead. And how long have you been at Skookum? A year now. Okay. Yeah. In the tech world, that's you're ancient. It feels ancient. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's been great. I'm always curious to know everybody's backstory, how they got here. And when we've talked to the uh, handful of folks we've interviewed so far i'm always surprised that it doesn't seem like a lot of the folks we talk to take a traditional road into the roles they have at skookum and i'm just curious what your background is if you have a traditional background getting your getting your foot in the door here or if you came a a different path uh definitely a different path so beginning my career i wanted to be a film director film producer and went to film school did the whole thing and uh just, I don't know if anyone's played the, the movie business game, but that's a pretty wild one and frankly antiquated in a lot of ways. And not only not only in the way that they like manage people and run people and underpay people and all those other things, but also in tech. And so I got really, I found myself right away getting really frustrated with how the movie business at the time wasn't adopting the internet. Like, how do you not understand that this is important? So this yeah. is, and you were, were you in LA at the time? Yep. Yeah. So I went to USC. Their film school there. Okay, um, it's, a, it's an okay film school. It's okay. I think it's the George Lucas Film School. Is yeah. that is that correct? Yeah, fun, it's all right. Fun story is the day that they like <laughs> broke ground on the new like George Lucas Building. Is uh, they had all of the famous people are backing the school kind of show up and give like a ribbon cutting ceremony and the whole thing. Was Will Ferrell there? Will Ferrell wasn't there that day, oh. um, but I uh, I was hanging out with a professor at the time and he brought me up to kind of start mangling with some of those people and definitely was late to class because I was hanging out with Steven Spielberg. <laughs> so, that was the kind of environment that yeah, I was sorry, in there. I'm, sorry yeah. I'm late for film class, was hanging out with Spielberg. I was hanging out with Steve. Steve that's what man. I call him at least. It was fun. That was that's a hell awesome. of a reason to be late for class. Yeah, so, <laughs> That's the, the best reason to yeah. be late for class. Yeah, so it was a fun experiment. I, like, I 
had great mentorship there. Definitely got really entrenched. Um, first job out of college was helping Warner Brothers like figure out what the internet meant for them, and like it was about that open ended. I mean, it's pretty much um, just for sending emails, right? Yeah, they treated yeah. it that way at the time. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like we're we're a full decade later from me getting antsy with. But at the time, I'd also we'd part. Hulu was just starting. None of these companies were producing original content. They were all licensing their own. But like the real opportunity in the business at the time was to like produce your own content and build your audience within your own boundaries. Everyone thought that the internet at the time, like maybe you'd post it to YouTube, but you realized pretty quickly you're not going to make money. You're not going to like retain audiences really well. It was really hard to remarket. Every time you'd ha- like want to produce something from scratch, you'd have to you know, start all over from scratch with, you know, just marketing and attracting those audiences and stuff. It was just an uphill battle. And I got really frustrated with how much money people wanted to spend on content, but how little money people were willing to risk on like getting a couple developers to hack together a platform and like figure out, you know, what would it be like to have your audience in your own four walls? Yeah. You're seeing a lot more folks who are doing a lot more immersive media, like surrounding movie launches and sort that sort of thing. Like how, what's your take on it now versus then? Yeah, it's definitely blown up, and there's a lot of innovation in that regard. It's fun to see all these shows coming out that have all of this supplemental material that's like getting into the world of the story before it's already happening, and it's just people are people are getting really creative with how they're spending their marketing dollars, and that's been it's really fun to watch. You know, I, again, it's about building relationships with your customers and your users and things like that. And the internet is the stickiest thing that we've had to date that helps you do that. So again, I, I got kind of antsy in Hollywood. I'm like, we're, we're spending all this money that's getting thrown away, frankly, because every time we got to start from scratch with our audiences and our relationships and stuff like that. And so I started getting attracted in, to just the tech scene in general. It was like pretty hot at the time. Facebook was rolling out. like All these things were rolling out and blowing up. And uh, it just seemed like the right place to go after that. It took a long time. Like I've always been straddling the line between entertainment and the internet, but only probably in the last five years or so gotten out, I found my way into services where we're helping all sorts of different kinds of industries and things. And that appeals to my, uh, my interest in jumping between, I kind of have creative ADD. To, so, <laughs> I, just, I have too many interests in, you know, whatever. So services kind of made that. Josh might know something about that. Yeah. I, I'm actually <laughs> yeah. kind of wired the same way. What? So I'm curious though. So you're, you're following the, you're out in LA, you're doing yep. the movie thing yep. and then, but you're getting frustrated because you're not seeing, the, them embracing the tech world like you feel like they need to. So where was the transition? Where did that happen uh, to get you into the tech world? Yeah, so things were crazy at the time. I was kind of also frustrated with L.A. Like, it's not the easiest city to live into. And I grew up here in Denver, and I don't know for anybody who's visited Denver, it's pretty cool. Yeah. It was yeah. only getting cooler. And so I definitely wanted to, like, leave L.A. That was a big, big goal. It just was the business, you know, it was just hard. You're working 18 hour days, you're yeah. whatever. We lost a couple of budgets with Warner Brothers because they're like, this experiment's not working out. I'm like, well, duh, it's not, like, <laughs> we're throwing money away every time. It just was like, it just started feeling like the right time. And so I kind of just pulled the plug on Warner Brothers and decided I was moving out and immediately got a call from a startup here. And that was, that was where you were before you then came to Skookum? Uh, no, this, that was a while ago. I've, <laughs> I've lived like... <laughs> 12 lives. <laughs> since um, give us, give yeah. us the 30,000 foot view. You go from, you go from film, you go to the e-learning startup. What's the, the cliff note version to get you to here? Yeah. Uh, cliff notes is again, I started like actually physically producing movies and then I got into a startup environment where I was scaling production infrastructure. And then a buddy from college said, Hey, do you want to like jump ship and travel the world with me and do a travel series? And we get okay. tracked by Google and they're like, 
Yeah, that sounds pretty great. So like, <laughs> went with literally now six of my best friends forever, you know, a bunch of guys just flew to Dubai and like stood up a TV show there and shoot shot 12 episodes that took us all the way around the world. So wow. that was a, <laughs> that's, like, that's an awesome. Gig. Yeah, it was yeah. it was pretty cool. So yeah, it was that was so a hell how of, did you get like six of your buddies were able to do it too? Like so you guys just all yeah. My, I mean, my best friend, one of my best friends from college, got the job as a director, and he's like, hired all his friends. Yeah, he, well, he's I'm, he's like, I'm not going to go on this job unless I have a producer I trust because like we're literally going into some dangerous parts of the world and like need to make sure that everything's kind of anticipated and lined up for this budget's a little tight. Like how we're actually going to pull this. So off. what what was the show about? So the idea behind it was social travel. So the goal was to use, well, at the time it was Google Plus, right? Like this is actually like a yeah. Google Plus yeah. TV Perfect. show. Oh, really? Uh, we never actually used Google Plus for obvious reasons. Yeah, yeah. I don't <laughs> think anyone ever used Google Plus. Not at all. But the idea behind the show is like see these local places through local eyes. And the best way you could do that is to just, you know, reach out to communities there and figure out how to find those people before you go and build an itinerary for yourself that's yeah. very authentic to those environments. So what, what countries did you hit up? Uh, there was 12 of them because it was a 12-episode order. But, again, we started in Dubai. The order of the show is easy to remember, but it was Singapore, uh, Istanbul, so city-wise, Dublin, uh, Stockholm. We did we did a whole like Asia tour, so it was Seoul, Tokyo, uh, Bangkok, and then we dropped down to Melbourne, and then Austin, Texas was their American city they wanted okay. to do for the show. <laughs> uh, Buenos Aires, uh, Nairobi, and then we ended in Abu Dhabi. Yeah, so we hit we hit six continents and. Uh, anybody who knows me knows that I'm kind of a checklist guy. And like, if there's only like one little gap left, I like, gotta like, I have to check that box. And so what was the, what was the missing continent? Antarctica. Okay. And you've, but you've been there now, right? Didn't you say you've been to all seven continents? Yeah. So yeah, that was my goal is to hit all seven before I turned 30. And I did that two years ago now, November, went to Antarctica and that's where I met my girlfriend. You met, in Antarctica? You met her in Antarctica? Yeah, I met what? her. Was, I didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't know there were there were people. Like, that's not, usually yeah. not like this is where you this is where you find a date in yeah. Antarctica. No, yeah, that are you kidding not, me? Didn't plan on that. No, yeah, there's not a social scene. There's literally only animals. The only way you can get down there, at least on the it's like America's hey, I met side. other humans. So yeah. let's date. Exactly. Like, this is how it works. Um, you have to get there by boat, right? And there's some expeditions that have kind of been stood up over the last like 20 years that have kind of expanded so it's it's kind of like a cruise ship but it's not it's not like a sexy so cruise what uh, <laughs> it's definitely an expedition you're hanging out with like scientists so is she on this cruise as well yep she so she she had a buddy who was a guide like a stand-up paddleboard guide on there and said hey you should do this thing i feel she like antarctica is not the best place to do stand-up paddle paddleboarding it's pretty sweet actually really yeah well and we ended up having quote perfect weather there <laughs> like it was yeah. it's summer you go during their summer which is november like holidays time frame and it's it's sunny almost twenty four hours a day, so that's crazy. Yeah, um, we just got really lucky with weather. It was like perfect temperatures. Like what is 30. perfect temperature? Well, in the in summer Antarctica. there, like above freezing and sunny is perfect. You know, and it felt nice. Like I bought all these like really warm clothes <laughs> to go on this trip, and I was climbing mountains and stuff like that, and I was just sweating my balls. Off. I was like literally just <laughs> t shirt and sweatpants. Uh, really? Tweet, and yeah, I was not wearing warm clothes the entire time. Wow. Um, and the moment that I met her, it was so nice that they threw like a, an outdoor barbecue on the deck, like literally just flipping burgers and stuff. And people were. So you're having an outdoor barbecue 
in Antarctica on a in boat. a t-shirt in a t-shirt in a and t-shirt. this is where you met your now girlfriend yeah she was in line behind me at this barbecue that's that's where that's I met her possibly the most like, epic story that I've ever heard I of. feel like, like we need to stop and just let everyone know that this is actually all a commercial for Dos Equis <laughs> yeah like sitting the down with the most interesting man in the world well if you want <laughs> so we made a habit on that trip of grabbing glacial ice out of the water in the boats when we would go ashore. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. we brought that glacial ice back and carved it up. I was actually probably holding a scotch with like a thousand year glacial ice in that moment. So that's, wow. it, if you want interesting, it's not beer, it's scotch on glacial ice. No way. <laughs> so with one of the things that we have heard about you before sitting down with you here today was that you really like cocktails yeah like and just experimenting and trying new things but then also throwing cocktail parties yeah we hear these cocktail parties are epic to the point where some of the designers in the office may have on the side designed you like custom menus and things like that for these cocktail parties is this all yeah it's a thing this is a thing <laughs> it's definitely a thing <laughs> tell us tell us more yeah. how often do these happen how like, are there themes in, to them? Like, what? How does it? How can we get invited work? to the next yeah. one? <laughs> like, yeah. So we uh, this started as a buddy of mine had just moved to Denver, and we wanted to sit down. We realized we were both James Bond fans. And who do you think is the best James Bond? I'm a Daniel Craig guy myself. He, I mean, he's definitely. And then Connery, but I was going to say Connery's got to be number two if he's not number one. Yeah, Otherwise, I mean, we're establish this right now. Yeah, exactly. It's it's kind of a given. So I like Daniel Craig's work for sure. Um, and he's pretty close to the bo- like the, the book version of the character, which I've spent a little bit of time with too now. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we just decided we want to sit down and watch all the James Bond movies together and drink. But then I was like, if we're going to go to all this trouble, like let's invite some friends over to do it too. <laughs> and one thing led to another and suddenly there was printed menus full on like costume parties, all these other things. And so our goal was to get through every single James Bond movie and design three custom cocktails inspired by those movies. And this wait, 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 hold on, hold yeah. on a second. Three custom cocktails per movie? Per movie, yeah. So our goal is to come up with 75 drinks. So what? And what you're movie? having all of those available at the party. Well, not all of them. So we'll go movie to movie. So what we'll do is do like a, a single feature, or a double feature. And actually this summer we did a tiki triple feature. And we'll show the movies in the background. They're just kind of quiet on in the background. But there's going to be a whole printed menu. It's going to be themed. That theme will be largely inspired by whatever's going on in the movies at the time. And we'll be designing drinks against that theme. So it's uh, it's supposed to be fun, right? You're supposed to be designing the drinks and be creative about it. It's become a thing. Like it's been cool to have like the Skookum friends like show up. And it's also been really special because some of the times we're trying to get more and more ambitious almost every time with these parties and um you know menu design something that's personal to me because i think that immediately sets the tone for people who come to your parties you're like oh this is not just like a house party it's not just like with a keg in yeah, the back this but, isn't yeah. the kind of parties that, uh, that i throw these aren't like just barbecues that in, the, in my house in yeah, the yard. yeah. They're, they're nice cocktail parties for sure <laughs> so you, yeah you our last menu had like 12 drinks on it and beautiful design Lai and kyle both helped with the menu design and it was awesome and do people come dressed up we need to post the link in the show notes so that people can see what we're talking because we because kyle showed us the menus that you guys had for the last one and it was it was awesome yeah Yeah, it really is the project thank you the project's called license to drink so we actually have a we have a website now, but our Instagram's pretty active, so you can kind of see all the cocktails and stuff. So, and you said what's some, your Instagram handle? Li- license? Uh, license to drink, but it's license spelled with a C, so L I C N C, the British okay. way. So look yeah. it up, license, license to, drink. to drink. Yeah, yep. that's you say the British way. I just say that's how I usually spell it because I'm a terrible speller. Yeah, <laughs> and autocorrect fixes it. exactly. Yeah. 
I know it's it's been an autocrat battle since we started this project. Yeah. <laughs> now, you, but you said you said you mentioned something about there being a book as, around this as well. Yeah, I mean, the target would be nice. We have all these recipes that are our own authorship, and the whole thing's been really cool because it's been kind of like a travel log. Again, travel being personal to me, like we're exploring spirits and stuff that have you know from around the world and things that most people haven't really tried and we're doing inventive things with it and trying different flavors and stuff. So almost more than a James Bond thing, it's become like a, a travel log of yeah. cocktails. And so, yeah, I, our goal would be to publish the recipes. It'd be nice to have that, all that work available to other people to enjoy. Yeah. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah. So the question that we ask everybody and you've kind of answered a little bit of this already, but yeah, and we're actually, looking for a different, yeah. a different answer maybe. Yeah. No, the, the question we ask in, and I, is where in life are you a nerd? Where do you nerd out? Um, what are what are some things you nerd out on? Now, I say this saying that like I, I don't even know that what you're going to tell me is going to even sound nerdy because you know we've already dubbed you the most interesting man in the world. You've met your girlfriend in Antarctica. This is all very cool and not nerdy. <laughs> so, um, so where in life are you actually maybe a closet closet nerd? Not so much in like focus, but in approach. I would call myself a nerd. Um, that definition in itself just speaks to speaks volumes. Yeah, I'm a huge spreadsheet dork. Okay, there it is. That's <laughs> that's where that's have, where it breaks down. <laughs> have you met Brad? <laughs> so I, I strongly appreciate the the spreadsheet game. Yeah, so yeah tell us tell us more about like where are you where are you, what are you making spreadsheets for these days? Yeah, it's definitely more than just like finances and stuff like that. I'm basically prototyping like mini applications in some parts of my life. So keeping track of these cocktail recipes, for example, like. You need to know how much alcohol is in some of these things, what they're going to cost, like figure out all of these things computationally at scale and then keep track of it. So I've basically built like a mini application within spreadsheets to keep track of all of the ingredients we're using, what the specs are for the cocktails when we build them, like what are the implications and data across the program to say, are we doing too many gin cocktails? Are we doing too many brandy cocktails? Like this doesn't even sound nerdy. This just sounds <laughs> awesome. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So where else are uh, you using the spreadsheets for the cocktails? Where else are you using the spreadsheet? Where are they popping up? There's in not a life? lot of my life. That's not touched by a spreadsheet. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so you're, you're, let's go back to your dating life. Is yeah. there, is there spreadsheets involved? <laughs> you know, funny enough. So we, we were kind of joking, like I didn't wear a lot of the, the warm weather or the warm clothing that I bought in Antarctica, I ended up needing to use it a lot for my dating life because she actually lives in Canada. So of course it's not easy. <laughs> this is a long distance relationship situation. Uh, she lives in a very cold place. It's Edmonton, Canada, which is a thousand miles due north of here. Oh wow! So this isn't like just yeah. over the border. No, this is this is a different country, long distance relationship. Yeah, happens to be the same time zone. I don't think we would have made it if okay. it wasn't no, the same time yeah, zone. Yeah, yeah. So you got that going that's for you. Yeah, yeah, and like Alberta is basically Colorado, just Canadian. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> probably actually a little more conservative. Maybe interesting. It's I'm learning so many things. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I've I've ended up needing to use my Antarctica clothing more up there than I did in actually in Antarctica, but. We have to go back and forth, and we're trying to figure this out. It's been two years now, and we see each other a lot. Um, it's a huge uh, blessing from Skookum and things like that that we're working in a pretty like open environment where we can be flexible and travel and work remotely and serve our clients as we see fit. So that's like a huge thing for us is that I can go up there for extended periods of time. She she has an opportunity to work remotely, so she comes down as well. So how often are you going up to Canada? Um, 
it just kind of depends on what's going on, but we see each other at least 60% of the time, and I can tell you why I know that. <laughs> You've got a spreadsheet There's a spreadsheet. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, if we, we're trying did to you, figure did out. Did you hit your quota for the year? Is that where you wanted to be, above 50%? We beat last year, okay. if that makes sense. You know, we're, we're making pretty good progress. Yeah, I mean, I, there's a big part of it with immigration that you need to make case that you actually have a relationship with somebody, and I'm like, I can make a case. There's, <laughs> there's all the data in the yeah. world to when prove this. When immigration asks you, and you pull up these spreadsheets with all the data, they're like, okay, yeah, yeah, you're, you're good, you pass. Yeah, we're coming up on our two-year anniversary, and um, we've traveled 130,000 miles to like have this relationship, which is like four and a half times right. around, around the planet you know, oh, wow. in, in, yeah. in total. Um, but I, I feel like your, your, your spreadsheet and your relationship combined will make for amazing infographics yeah there's yeah there should be yeah and i actually think i'm i'm about to design an infographic for our anniversary is coming up next week and uh i mean we both talk a lot about the climate crisis and all these other things we care a lot about that and i'm a little unsettled with how much i've had to fly to maintain this relationship <laughs> yeah. and so i'm actually gonna i'm shopping for carbon offsets right now what for is, all of the flights what does that look like how do you shop for carbon offsets? I haven't. Yeah, I don't know how that works. Yeah, I, how that works. Yeah, I mean, is the idea is pretty simple. Is that, or? Yeah, so you're yeah. you're keeping track of what your footprint is in the world. And so you can actually, there's websites that help you with this. Some of the airlines are actually really good about helping you commute, uh, compute this too. But you're trying to figure out like, okay, this flight, how much carbon dioxide have you put in the atmosphere? Um, and it's measured by metric tons. So I'm trying to compute that and figure out, okay, well, how many, what's the impact of me having this relationship? So is this, like many, put it that way, but is this how many trees flying. need to be planted to offset this? Yeah, so there's this a, what it comes down to? There's or? a lot of ways that you can kind of sequester carbon or, or kind of bring carbon out of the atmosphere um, and reduce output and all sorts of stuff. So it kind of feels a lot of these websites that you can go shopping for carbon offsets are kind of framed like a charity website would be like, Hey, go plant trees here. Let's go build like, um, solar farms or whatever, right? Any, any process that starts reversing that trend. Um, and so you're just investing in programs and things like that, but they're measuring it to the metric ton of carbon that that program or that investment would displace basically. Very cool. But, uh, no, I mean, it's, it's helpful. It's insightful. It gives you something to celebrate every once in a while. Like, it's hard. Like long distance relationships are challenging yeah. and we have really beaten the game. And I think a lot of that is because of your spreadsheets. It helps. Yeah. It doesn't That's hurt. The, what's behind the most interesting man in the world is spreadsheets. Spreadsheets. Yeah. <laughs> so we've covered, we've covered a lot here. Is there anything that we're like missing that you're like, is there anything else you'd say like, Hey, uh, you know, most people I work with probably don't know this about me. And we've covered, we've covered a lot of ground. Here, I feel so. like I, I'm waiting for you to tell me that you're like a fencing medalist in Austria or something, you know, something, something like that. I or feel like, like you've been just to waiting space. To you were like an astronaut for a bit. Didn't work out. No, that's next. I mean, one yeah. of my, one of my long-term <laughs> goals, I would love to contribute to like the constitutional convention for Mars. Like I would love to like work with a gr- couple people and decide like, how is the future going to be governed? let's reassess like human history up until this point. Let's talk about what's worked and what's not. And then like, let's put a document in place to figure out how all these people are going to show up on another yeah, you know planet. Spreadsheet. 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 A lot of data modeling for sure. Yeah. I think, I think the future is going to be a little bit more iterative and have to be informed by Washington a lot of data. So you're sitting down, <laughs> you're sitting down, you're, you're with the, the, uh, the leaders, uh, of the future and you're sitting down looking at Mars and you're saying, Listen, guys, I've taken a pretty in-depth look at history on Earth. Here are the changes that need to be made. What would they be? Oh, that's a good question. Um, the world's going to change a lot really quickly in how we're represented. Um, if you have AIs that can interface with you and ask you questions, that takes away 
the bandwidth limitation that we have in current representation. Funny story is that I dug really deeply into the math of like the U.S. Constitution at one point, more as a hobby, but also trying to model organizations better. I was trying to figure out, like, okay, well, we've built governments that are democratic. Why haven't we built businesses that are that way? And trying to connect those dots and trying to figure out where the math is and all of that and figure out if there's any way that you can transpose some of those concepts. And it was pretty clear to me that one of the biggest limitations in our government right now is that we've capped the house size. So we're not scaling with our representation. So hmm. every every time our population grows, we still only have 435 representatives. It's not scaling. Hmm. And I dug into history on that one and realized that was one of the biggest debates. That was the original first amendment on the original Bill of Rights. There was actually originally 12, but two of them didn't get ratified. And the first one was defining how many representatives there should be in the House, number of people. And so it's one of the biggest like mathematical flaws in our government right now, or it's, it's under scrutiny. And we're actually the least represented, second to least. India has worse representation ratio in their lower house. The second worst representation ratio in the world really? out of all the UN countries. Yeah. Oh, wow. Huh. And that's that is, again, super interesting. <laughs> also figured that out on a spreadsheet. And like, that's going to go away, though, if AI can be the intermediary between those representative officials and things like that. So there's going to be a lot of change really quickly in the way that individuals are interfacing with their governments. We're only scratching the surface on that. I'm only seeing a few other like programs that are trying to like actively change that or drive that through. And obviously AI is like really preliminary right now and kind of not all that helpful in a lot of cases. But I think the first political candidate that's going to make every single person in their constituency feel like they have a relationship with that candidate through those types of you know, intermediary relationships is going to definitely knock it out of the park. And we have to imagine a future where you don't have that bandwidth limitation and representation. Now, would hmm. you be ever interested in running for political office? <laughs> it depends. Yeah. It depends on how the office is structured and all those other things. Like I, knowing this and feeling this way, I wouldn't want to go without being equipped with that. Like I just, I don't want to represent 700,000 people. That's crazy. You know, it's it's been great listening to all this. I do feel like uh, I'm going to leave and try to figure out something to do with my life uh it's like hey we're working in the same place man we're doing the same thing this is great we want to thank craig for sitting down with us craig thank you and remember guys until next time stay nerdy crush those spreadsheets do you need more skookum in your life follow us on social or if you're in the charlotte or denver areas come visit us in person at one of our local tech talks hosted in the skookum offices until next time stay nerdy